Howdy folks, welcome to Bad GM's Campaign Build Along. I'm the Bad GM, Wayne Davis, and I'm here to help you build a campaign from scratch to use for your group starting tonight. As our regular listeners know, we're working on a Deadlands Classic campaign, so if you don't already have the core rule books, we recommend heading over to the Pinnacle Entertainment Group website at peginc.com and purchasing some PDFs. And I've been asked about this multiple times, so let me address it here. No, I do not get any sort of payment for promoting the Pinnacle website on this show. I do it because I'm using their products as a part of the show, and I feel it's only fair to promote their website as a part of that. Trust me, I'm going to be doing the same thing in Series 2 when we start a new campaign build for a completely different game. Anyway, this week is going to be a build-only session, and we've got a lot of work to do, so let's get to it. Of course, we can't start building any new stuff without recapping what we just built last week. When we began, our group was face-to-face -face with Zebediah Thomas, a.k.a. The Butcher, and they figured out real quick he was a walking dead, as were the eight guys that were with him. The group got through the encounter and either killed Thomas outright or wound up chasing him back to his house to finish him off. Thanks to some intervention from an old friend, the group managed to not get arrested or in trouble for killing Thomas, but they were instructed to get out of town first thing in the morning. Also, there is a slight chance Thomas got away, but don't worry, we're going to address that at some point down the line. As they do after every mission, the group made their way back to Denver, and this time Mr. Norwood was basically beside himself when they met. Turns out the banker, a.k.a. Mr. O'Toole, was missing and had been for at least a day. While they were talking, and after they'd been paid for their work, a messenger arrived with a telegram for the group. Mr. Norwood glanced at it, and he passed it along. It turns out the baker didn't want to wait around for the hit to be issued and took matters into his own hands. He kidnapped O'Toole and offered to make a trade with the group, providing a location for them in Deadwood, Dakota. We ended the build session last time with the group's train arriving in Deadwood after a long journey. Now, if you'll remember, at the end of last week's build session, I pointed out that Deadwood is fully built out in the Marshall's Guide, so hopefully you took advantage of that over the past week and at least glanced at that section of the book. Technically, Deadwood sits in the middle of the Sioux Nations, but there's a treaty between the U.S. and the Sioux allowing for the town to exist as well for a single train line to run into town. However, this is a very uneasy piece, and if you understand anything about American history where it concerns Native Americans, you will understand why. For those unfamiliar, and I know we've got some international listeners who might not be aware, the TLDR on this is pretty simple. When it comes to treaties between the United States government and any Native Americans, the treaties tend to not be worth the paper that they've been printed on. You add to that all of the weirdness going on in the world of Deadlands, and you've got yourself a recipe for disaster. Basically, so long as the group stays within town, or pretty close to it, or they take the train into or out of town, they should be good. Wander too far out, and they will be considered fair game for Sioux warriors that are out to make a point. Or, of course, they could just be a target for some of those things that like to go bump in the night, but what else is new? One more quick reminder while we're here. The baker will have been back in town for several days before the arrival of the group, thanks to his use of a flying machine. You can use whatever you want for that, and if you've got the Smith & Robards book, they've got several in there for you to choose from. So with that in mind, let's build. Deadwood's not actually that large of a town, at least not with actual buildings. There's going to be a lot of tents spread out to house the various miners working the gold mines, but the total number of buildings isn't nearly as many as what we've been seeing overall in past towns. According to my research, the population of Deadwood was about 25,000 in 1876, 
for our purposes, that sounds about right. So we're gonna be talking about a lot of people crammed into a smaller space of actual buildings. And as the map itself in the book notes, the tents are in and around the city, so you'll need to take that into account as we go along. And remember, the vast majority of people here are miners. They come here because of the gold that was found here and they came to make their fortunes. The rest of the folks in town came here to make their money off of the miners. So the entirety of the town is based on mining. When the group gets off the train, they have the immediate feeling that they're being watched. There's no need to have them make checks because it's very obvious that there's a whole lot of people that are giving them the mean mug. Some of them look rough, but others just appear to be townspeople who seem to have an inkling of what's going on especially since Deadwood doesn't have a no open carry policy. And I know my group, they're gonna come loaded for bear most likely. If they wanna question somebody, roll a D6. One through three, they get a townsperson who's just wanting to stay away from anything nefarious and wants to be left in peace. Four through six, they get an associate of the bakers and they'll straight up admit they were sent there to keep an eye out for the group and report back when they arrived. Of course, that person's gonna tell them that now there's no need for them to report back since their compadres will have already done so. What the group does next is up to them. Truth be told, this is probably gonna be a quick and dirty deal where the group heads straight for Nuddle and Man's number 10 to start the fun. However, if they wanna take their time and try to get the lay of the land, as it were, there's the Grand Central Hotel that they can check into to drop off their gear before they head. There'll be rooms available, but they'll have to double up again as there are a number of new arrivals taking up most of the rooms. Now the staff there will be polite, but it's obvious to the group that pretty much everyone knows why they're there and they're not being overly friendly about things. Also, the rooms are gonna cost 10 bucks a piece per night and it's partially because of the fact that there's so much demand but also partially because they're going to try to discourage the group from staying too long in town. Now you are going to want to play this off as a very tense situation throughout town. By now people know what's up and they know it's going to be bad. They'd prefer the group to just not be there at all but since they're there they'd prefer they do what they're there to do and then get themselves gone. Again, this is gonna be a situation in game design where you come up with the names of the people in the hotel. There's nothing overly remarkable about any of them and they're just not gonna play into the overall storyline. So I'm personally not gonna flesh them out here. I mean, I guess I could since this show is ultimately gonna be shorter than normal, but I want you to feel as involved as possible in the process. So that one's on your to-do list. Now, no matter where the group goes in town, they're gonna to get the same kind of reaction. Head to one of the stores, they'll get polite but cold responses. Head to the theater to see a quick show, polite but cold. Again, the entire city of Deadwood wants them to deal with their business and get out. This will be made painfully obvious when the town marshal approaches them. Where this takes place depends on the decisions the group makes. If they head to the hotel or to a store, he'll catch them just outside of one of them. If they head straight for Nuttle and Mans, he's gonna catch them on the way. The town marshal is none other than the legendary Seth Bullock. Now for the record, if you've watched that phenomenal HBO series Deadwood, Timothy Oliphant played Bullock to almost a historically accurate T, so he's the model I'm using to play Bullock for our purposes here. Now Bullock wants to speak with the group, and while he's gonna be polite, he's also gonna be firm, and if the group offers resistance, a couple of armed men will also approach as Bullock's backup, at which point he will insist they join him in his office to have a quick discussion. Now he makes it clear they're not under arrest. He just needs to talk to them and get a bit of information about exactly what's going on before they do what they're there to do. Once he gets them to the jailhouse, because that's his office, he tells them straight up that he knows who they're there to see, but he doesn't exactly know why. Bronson Atwell, which is the real name of the baker by the way, 
is, in Bullock's words, an upstanding member of Deadwood Society. He donates to all the local causes, owns a couple of gold mines in the area, and pays his workers very well. He's also offered his services whenever needed to help out the town as a whole. In fact, he is one of the men who is responsible for Bullock getting the marshal's job to begin with, so Bullock is a bit confused as to why men would be coming to town to kill him. This is where the group needs to be as honest as they can. He's really good at sniffing out lies, and each time they tell one, it's up for you to decide if it's an out-and-out -out lie or if they're just trying to paint themselves in a more positive light. Bullock will make it a point to hone in on what they say and try to get them to, at the very least, tell him as much truth as they're willing to admit. Now, he's going to be blunt. He's heard rumors about them taking contracts to eliminate various businessmen around the country, and while he's aware that a few of them probably deserved it, nothing he's seen from Atwell leads him to believe that he's one of those sorts of fellows. When they get around to the kidnapping, at some point the telegram is going to have to come up. Bullock will note, rightfully so, that anyone could have sent a telegram and signed it like that, so it doesn't necessarily mean Atwell's kidnapped Mr. O'Toole. However, he's recently received word from a fellow by the name of Bill Conway, who claims to understand some of the situation that's going on. And Mr. Conway has indicated that the group will attempt to settle the issue in as peaceful a manner as possible. Bullock stated that he's worked with Conway in the past, so his word has a bit of weight. Bullock's willing to share a bit of background on Bill Conway, but not too much. Bullock will report that he and Conway worked as lawmen in a couple of different cow towns over the years, and Conway proved himself as a more than competent lawman. He's a man whose word one can trust, and he doesn't get rattled easily. Bullock also states that Conway is a good judge of people, so if he's willing to vouch for the group, Bullock is willing to give them some leeway. His only request is this. If they actually kill Atwell, they better darn well be able to prove he did something worthy of killing. Otherwise, they'll be taken into custody and they'll be charged with murder. And, he notes, trials in Deadwood are not like anywhere else in the country. Since the U.S. has no jurisdiction here, it's kind of more of a minor's court, and they're not too fond of people killing businessmen. With that, he'll let the group head off to do what they're there to do. So let's stop beating around the bush and get down to what the group came here to do, and that's head to the saloon. When they get there, the place is empty, save one man sitting at a table in the middle of the room by himself. He's a younger man in his late 20s. Even sitting, it's obvious he's tall and well-built since he's got his shirt sleeves rolled up to expose his very powerful-looking arms. They guess he's somewhere between 6 foot and 6 foot 2 and well over 240 pounds. His blonde hair is close-cut, basically what we'd call a buzz cut, and he's got a closely trimmed beard and mustache. And he's dressed well. It's obvious the suit components they can see, the shirt, the vest, and the pants, cost him a pretty penny, and his boots seem to be from some sort of leather they've never seen before. There are chairs around the table for each member of the group, and a bottle of whiskey on the table with enough glasses for the entire group, plus the man sitting. Now, tell you straight up, my group is not going to just come in and sit down without taking a long, hard look around the saloon. There's stairs heading up to the walkway to rooms on the second floor, and there's six doors on that floor. All of the doors are closed when they look up, and there's nobody on the walkway. They can listen for other sounds, but it's quiet in here. It's almost creepy silent, if we're being honest. The man at the table speaks up before the group can, unless you've got somebody in your group like Scott is in mine, who would probably just inquire about who the man right is right off the bat. It's Bronson Atwell, and he openly encourages the group to check out the saloon before they sit. As he puts it, we're here to have a business meeting, and we can't focus on business if you've constantly got all your eyes on the rest of the building. He'll actually wait for them to search the entire saloon, if they're so inclined. For the record, there are no other people in here. 
None in the rooms, none behind the bar, none back in the storeroom. There aren't even any people out behind the building waiting to come inside. Once the group is satisfied, or at least as satisfied as they'll get, Atwell will give them a suggestion. If it makes you feel better, post someone up at the front and back of the building. I've got nothing to hide here. It's not in my best interest, and it's certainly not good for business. Once they're ready to talk, he'll talk, and he's going to be forthright with them. O'Toole isn't in the town proper. Atwell will even tell them they can search the entire town if they want to. Why would I be that stupid? Why would I risk my own reputation in Deadwood to bring that man here? Now, the group can toss out whatever threats and theories they want to, but Atwell's not having it. He's just going to plainly explain it. The town folk knew you'd be coming because I had spread it around town. They were told that a group of mercenaries were coming to town with some trumped-up charges against me. But I also had it made clear that I wanted no harm to come to you. Now, he'll smile during that, and then he'll add something. I mean, I'm a businessman, after all. If I meet with you, we can do business, and maybe we can come to some sort of an agreement. As a gesture of good faith, he slides a sheet of paper across the table to the group. Here's what it says. Bronson. By now, you must know, as I do, that O'Toole is making his move to take total control of the board. He's found himself a group willing to work for him, but I can tell you from my own experience that they don't really understand what's going on here. The truth is that they're genuinely good people caught up in something that they don't completely comprehend. They're doing what they've been told is in the best interests of the nations as a whole, and have probably had their heads filled with nonsense about us controlling and taking over the country. O'Toole would say those sorts of things to get somebody to do their bidding. And if we're being honest, Monroe and Thomas had to go. They were drawing far too much attention to what's been going on lately and would have eventually turned the law against us. Our scaly friend agrees with my assessment of the situation and we are willing to forgive these transgressions against us if, and only if, the group walks away from Deadwood and leaves O'Toole to you to be dealt with as you see fit. Otherwise, you are given leeway to deal with them with maximum prejudice. Undertaker. Now, the group feels like they've seen this handwriting before, but no matter what check they make, no matter what they roll, they're just not going to be able to put a finger on where they've seen it before. It's been too long and they've been looking at too much handwriting since the last time they saw it. But stick that in the back of your head, that's going to come back around down the line. And let that whole handwriting thing sink in good with the group before you move on. They might ask a few questions amongst themselves. Let them do that. We want them thinking. Atwell is grinning a huge grin at this point, and he looks at each member of the group before he addresses them. So what's it going to be? You can walk away now, and I'll even make sure you've got the best accommodations on the next train out of Deadwood, headed to wherever you'd like to go. Or you can stay here fight me, and not only have myself and my men to fight, but the entire town. It's your call, but I'd suggest you think long and hard about it before you make your decision. Now, we're not saying there can't be some sort of conversation back and forth between Atwell and the group. In fact, there probably should be. He doesn't know who the Undertaker is, and so they can ask as much as they want to. He really doesn't know. He will say that Amani Lato, whom he knows as the snake oil salesman, is the only person who not only knows the name of the Undertaker, but has also actually seen and worked with him. So she'd be the person who could help him out in that area. He would provide them with a word of caution, though. Undertaker doesn't typically make deals. If he's got something in mind for you, you'd do well to watch your backs and not be around when things go down. 
Okay, so let's get into the options the group has at this point. One, they walk away. They can completely leave Deadwood and return to wherever they want. That being said, getting back to Denver without O'Toole won't end well for them, but that's another discussion. Number two, walk away from the table to think about things, and then they could decide to come back after Atwell. That could work, and it's one we'll cover as we work through the rest of this scenario. Third option, attack Atwell straight up. This is another one that might work, especially if they thought to check out the saloon. Now, those are three possibilities. Your group might come up with more. I'm going to bet even money that mine does, so don't be overly shocked or surprised if and when that happens. After all, we're creating our campaign as a hybrid sandbox railroad game where we're providing the framework we want to see covered, but we're giving the group a lot of leeway in how it's being handled. Of course, some things have to be done in a certain order, and we're holding them fairly firm on those. Okay, so if the group decides to go with scenario one, they're done for today. They need to decide where they want to go, and for the purposes of this campaign builder, we're going to be at a loss for a bit deciding on how to get them back into the game. Like I said, that's that. Now, as a point of all of that, they could decide that really they're just going to lay off Atwell for the moment, but they'll come back later. That's going to leave them one other board member that they know of to head after, and that's Amani Lato in Billings, Montana. Regardless of their choice of location, they are done for the day. Call it Say goodnight, Gracie. Go do your thing. Option two is that they leave the saloon, regroup, and come back after Atwell. Now, regrouping in this case would mean that they'll have to head back to the hotel and consider what their next move's going to be. They'll figure out quickly that there's no way Atwell's either going to be in the saloon or be by himself again, so they're going to need to try to get some information on the properties he could be using. Besides, if he's holding O'Toole, he's got to have a place he can do it in, right? I mean, he's not crazy enough or stupid enough to hold a man hostage inside the city of Deadwood, is he? Since we know he's got most of the citizenry of Deadwood supporting him, the group will really have to be careful trying to figure things out. And since they've basically got targets on their backs, they're going to have to watch everything they say and who they say it to. We are going to throw them a bone, though, so that we can help guide them along their way. At some point during their various schemes to get information, which will all fail, by the way, they'll get a letter delivered to their hotel room. They are definitely going to be surprised by it since they'll find the note under their door. It reads, You want to get to Atwell? We want Atwell to be gone. Forrester Mine, Sunrise Tomorrow. If the group does a little digging, they can find that the Forrester Mine is an independent mine. It's not controlled by any larger group. Big Jim Forrester holds the deed, and he's got a few men that work for him. There are rumors out there that Forrester and Atwell have had a few run-ins over the past couple of years, mostly because Atwell wants the mine and Forrester won't sell. So on the surface, anyway, this looks like a legitimate deal. The Forrester mine's located about a half hour's walk northeast of Deadwood, and it's definitely a walk due to the terrain. Now, with everything they've been through lately, we'll be nice and not drop any encounters in here for the group to run into, though you should give them the feeling that they're being watched and that anything could happen. Once they reach the mine, there'll be a half a dozen armed men at the mine entrance to meet them. Introductions will not be given, but one of the men will nod to the group and simply tell them that Big Jim's waiting for you back there and he'll jerk his thumb to point to the shaft behind him. There are lanterns about every 20 feet or so, so there's enough light for the group to see where they're going. About 300 yards in, the tunnel widens out into a small cavern, and a very large man is waiting for them. At 6 feet 6 inches tall and at least 300 pounds, Big Jim definitely earned his name. He's got long, wild hair, a long, scraggly beard, and huge tufts of chest hair popping out of his shirt. He's got the collar unbuttoned and maybe one or two buttons down. 
He's working. He's dressed to work. Worn jeans, worn shirt, worn boots, and he's got a pair of gloves on a makeshift table in front of him. He apologizes for the lack of amenities for the group, but notes that you ain't going to be around for very long. I got stuff to tell you, then you best be on your way. He makes it very clear that if they're crazy enough to go after Atwell, they're going to need to hit him on his compound. It's about five miles north of Deadwood, and it is a tough five miles to ride. The compound itself is a simple one. It's a small cabin with two medium-sized barns on either side, surrounded by a thick growth of trees. Atwell is known to perch snipers in those trees, so they've got a decent enough line of sight to see what's coming. Now, Big Jim knows that one of the barns holds Atwell's flying contraption because I've seen him take off and land the damned thing at all hours of the day and night. It can't be nothing good either, because when he's doing legitimate business, well, he takes the train. He will also note that some of the men Atwell's got posted there look like he dug them out of a grave or something. And he will give the group what is now a very familiar description. Other than that, he's got nothing else to give them, and he cannot spare any men to assist him. He also points out that you're no man's land up here. You get in trouble, ain't nobody coming to help. The group would then need to scout out the area, but I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. Let's go back and check out option three, which is if the group guns down Atwell while he's at the table. Before they go to do that, have everybody make a scrutinized check with a target of 15. If anybody makes it, they see that Atwell has his fingers on a metal ring that seems to be attached to some sort of line that goes through the floorboards at his feet. Anybody in the group with explosives or military background will recognize it as a sort of dead man's switch. So he planned for this. And if the group kills him or causes him to fall out of his chair, the line gets pulled and something bad happens. Now, if nobody in the group figures it out and just flat shoots him, he pulls the line and sets off enough dynamite to do 15 D20 of damage to the entire building. Needless to say, this will most likely kill the group and Atwell. So if your group makes that choice, we're unfortunately done with the campaign. For them, anyway. You can either have them create new characters and figure out how to incorporate them into what we've got, or you can decide to play something else until we start Season 2 of the Build Along with a new game. That's going to be up in about, oh, I'd say a month or so. This is your call, obviously, either way. So the option we've got left to follow, after all of that, is the group staking out the Atwell compound and seeing where it leads. However, in the interest of being very honest here, I'm not sure how this should look, so rather than blabber my way through here with vague terms, I think it's smarter to stop our build session here for the week and we'll pick up next week. Like I said earlier, this show is going to be a bit shorter than normal. One of those things, my creative well is a little bit dry, I've been a little bit under the weather, I've been a little bit stressed, I need a mental health break, all of that. But look, I owe you a podcast. I'm obligated to give you one. I know that. So it's here just a little shorter than I would have liked. My hope is to make up for the shorter show next week as we've got not only the build session to do, but also the game recap for my group. If we get as much done on both ends as I believe we will, that should be a much thicker sewed. Now, before we close this week, I wanted to take a minute to thank the folks who've reached out to ask us about our friend Aniston and to check up on him following his accident last week. He is recovering well. He is still really, really sore, as to be expected. And though he won't be at our game this week, we expect him back on the 24th when we gear up again. Again, thank you for the thoughts, the prayers, and the well wishes. 
If you get the chance, I'd encourage you to check out our other fine podcast, Role Playing History. It's the show where we break down a game, designer, design company, or whatever topic within the role playing industry that just comes to mind. We give history, insight, and the mechanics of how the games work, just in case you're interested in trying them out for yourself. Role Playing History is available wherever you get your podcasts or from our website, badgmproductions.net. All of the Deadlands Classic materials referenced during this show are the trademarked and copyrighted property of Pinnacle Entertainment Group and are used here for entertainment purposes only. If you're interested in any of these materials, check out their website at peginc.com. The music we use for this show comes from pixabay.com. Check them out for all your royalty-free, license-free music needs. Bad GM's Campaign Build-Along is a production of Bad GM Productions. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash gaming forward slash Bad GM Prod. On Twitter at Bad GMP. YouTube, Bad GM Productions. You can email us, badgmproductions at gmail.com. And online, the website is badgmproductions.net. One more note before we head out this week. We're going to be making our first convention appearance at Archon in Collinsville, Illinois. It's uh, September 30th through October 2nd. So if you've got plans to be there, stop by and see us. I'll have more information hopefully next week about where we'll be set up and what that's going to look like. And if you live anywhere near Collinsville, Illinois and are looking for a phenomenal convention to hit, come on by. I've been to this sucker several years in a row. It is great. Of course, we'd love to meet you. Talk about gaming or cosplay whatever it is you're into. All right, so with all the business taken care of, let's hit the road. Next week, we finish up in Deadwood, I hope, and we see what shenanigans my group got themselves into. But you're going to have to wait until next week for that, partner. Until then, I'm the bad GM, Wayne Davis, and I'll see you at the gaming table.